All right, well, good morning and welcome to all of you. We are glad to have you here with us this morning. Uh, today is a special day for Gateway uh, because we are commemorating and celebrating our 65th birthday as a church. Uh, we don't look in a, a day over 59, I believe, but uh, hey, Gateway was started on November 18th, 1956 by 16 people who were sent to St. Albans by the Boulevard Christian Church in Charleston. And uh, we actually have one remaining charter member uh, who is still an active member at Gateway. Her name is Bobby Fisher Haber. And uh, she, like I said, she goes over to our St. Albans campus most of the time, but she's actually been joining us on Sunday nights over here uh, for uh, when we're watching the episodes of The Chosen together. But uh, it's pretty amazing to me to have somebody who is a part of your church, an active part of your church for 65 years, in an age of kind of church shopping and falling in and out, you know, to have somebody be a part of something for 65 years, be a part of a church is incredible. Uh, and so we are so thankful for her and uh, we're here to celebrate Gateway. You know, Gateway has been, uh, has seen a lot over that time, and, uh, but here we are today, we have four campuses and a fifth location in Jeremy Haiti, and after all this time, we are still preaching the gospel, we're still pointing people to Jesus, we're still loving God, loving people, and serving in our communities. God has been so good to us. And we're super excited for what the future holds as we continue to focus on reaching new souls for Jesus. Uh, as you know, this is also a special week because it's Thanksgiving week, and we are looking to remember what we're thankful for in our lives. I, I know that this week, a lot of times can bring some extra stress and anxiety with the traveling and uh, the food preparation, but I would really encourage you this week to try to take some time to slow down and just be with your family. And some time to slow down and just be with God. Just dwell with God this week. I'm not Bostonian. That almost came out. God. But, uh, but, uh, but you, know, you know, I think a lot of times, whether... Uh, it's because we don't like our family. Uh, raise, you know, you could raise your hand for that. But uh, you maybe you don't like your family when you get together for Thanksgiving. You try to avoid conversation. Or maybe you're just so caught up in what's going on in your world or the, or the lives of others. I feel like a lot of times we get together in these situations and we're just on our phones still the whole time. That's how we pass the time. And uh, I'm guilty of this as well. I, I remember it was probably 10 years ago now or close to it. My brother took a picture of me and my brother-in-law looking, it was just us looking down at our phones, not talking, and the caption was, ah, it's so good to get, get together again for the holidays. And uh, that is how it looks in my uh, family's house sometimes, and maybe that's how it is in yours. But this year, I would encourage all of us to try to slow down and just enjoy being together. Maybe last year we weren't able to get to, you weren't able to get together with your family. And so if you're able to this year, enjoy that. And be thankful that you can gather together again. And in the middle of all of this, let us also take some time to just be with God and be thankful for all that he's done for us through our lives as well. You know, remembering the things that we're thankful for can help us put things in perspective, especially when we start to get buried by our current situation. Whatever's going on right now can really be at the forefront of your brain, and it can cause you to forget all the ways that God has shown up for you before. 
Now, one thing I'm thankful for this year is really all of you. And that might sound like pandering to the crowd, and well, it is, but I'm really thankful for all of you and that you have stuck with us through the transition earlier this year, and that came in the midst of COVID and the craziness that all of that brought as well. And basically, y'all would have had a lot of excuses to leave or not come back. And I'm thankful that you're here with us this morning. As I sat there in the first service thinking about it, I also thought how thankful I am for our staff. And our staff is, uh, is just incredible. And I, you might not recognize it, you might not realize all that they do, uh, but I love our staff because they don't just stick in their lane. They don't just do their thing. We love to work together to do whatever we can do for our church and do whatever we can to serve you and to reach people for Jesus. And so uh, I'm so thankful for our staff uh, and all that they bring for us. And so I hope you're thankful for them as well. Um, But most of all, uh, we're thankful for Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. Of course, we talk about Jesus every week, but it'll make more sense here in a little bit. Hey, this morning, uh, we are rolling on with our series called The Chosen as we continue to look at stories from the life of Jesus with the goal of falling in love with Him. And I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed uh, going through the messages and getting the messages ready. I've enjoyed the episodes of The Chosen because, you know what, it's working. It's working for me that I'm falling falling in love with Jesus all over again. It's making me want to go back through the Gospels and, and look at these stories that we're seeing on the show and see how, how do they put this together and, and see, like, man, it, it's, they're accurate. You know, these things happened. And, and so we just, we want to fall in love with Jesus because he is the son, he's the long-awaited Messiah, and he is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And through this series over the past couple weeks, we've looked at how Jesus knows me completely and how he invites me into a relationship with him. And this morning we're going to look at another statement about Jesus, and that's that he amazes me. As you read through the Gospels, one of the things that jumps out is how amazed people were when they met Jesus. As you watch the episodes of The Chosen, they do a great job of showing how amazed people were by Jesus. I love watching the show because it allows us to see eyewitness accounts of Jesus in a new way. And maybe you have read these accounts and read through the Gospels dozens of times, but now this TV series that allows you to experience them in a different way, it allows you to kind of put a picture to maybe what you've read so many times. And part of that is seeing the amazement of those that encountered Jesus. And so why were they so amazed? Well, first, his miracles were amazing. With all of our modern technology and computer-generated graphics, I mean, we don't want for much these days. There's not much we haven't seen. It's hard to impress us today. It's hard to impress a 21st century audience or show them something that they haven't seen. It's hard to amaze us. Because most of the things we take for granted are things that that are, are not... Let me try that again. Most of the things we take for granted today are things that the first century world could not have even imagined. We're just used to it. We take it for granted. It's not amazing to us. Things like electricity or or phones or planes or trains or automobiles. I had to do that. It's Thanksgiving week. 
Hey, uh, things like x-rays or or MRIs, all of these things would blow the mind of a first century citizen. They couldn't even fathom, couldn't even comprehend the things that we just use and take for granted every day. But Jesus did some things back then that we still can't do today, even with all of our fancy gadgets and our advancements in science and medicine. Things like when he healed a paralytic with just one word, And the gospel author Mark says, this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Things like when he transformed the simple molecules of water, hydrogen and oxygen, into the very complex molecules of wine, which includes water, but also includes a fermentation process that creates ethanol, glycerol, and polysaccharides, different types of organic acids, and several other volatile compounds. And when he performed this, it was his very first miracle. It was recorded in John chapter 2. And John says the master of the banquet was amazed. He pulled the groom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. Things like when he cast a legion of demons out of a man and into a herd of pigs. And all the people were amazed. Or or when he walked out to the disciples in the middle of the storm, he's walking on the water and they were completely amazed. Or when he healed all kinds of people. Matthew tells us that the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the, the cripple made well, the lame walking and the blind seen. And they praised the God of Israel. And with all of those things, he still did more than we even know. At the end of John's Gospel, he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And I don't know if you've ever experienced or witnessed what you would interpret as a miracle. But if you have, I'm sure you would put it in the amazing things God has done category. Jesus is the God who steps into our world to interrupt the science to command the laws of nature, to intervene in the biology, and to do the supernatural. And so we have no choice but to be amazed because nobody is capable of what Jesus can do. No amount of technology or advancements can ever top Jesus. And that's why he was and is amazing. And there's another reason the gospel shows us why people were amazed by Jesus, and it's that his teaching was amazing. Jesus began teaching immediately after being baptized by John the Baptist. And immediately the people realized, man, there's something different about this guy. In Mark 1.21, we read, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And in the middle of that teaching moment, a demon-possessed man, he wanders into the synagogue and he starts shouting threats at Jesus. But Jesus doesn't panic. Of course not. In response, Jesus says, Be quiet! Come out of him! And the demon obeyed, leaving the man with a shriek. And Mark says, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A A new teaching. And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And there was something different about Jesus. These people, they had seen a lot of teachings in that synagogue, 
but never anything like this. And that makes sense because those other teachers, they were merely teaching about God. But Jesus, no, this, he was, this was a man that was God. He had an authority that they had never seen before. Later on in Mark 6, Jesus goes back to his hometown and he goes into the synagogue there. He began to teach, and according to Mark, many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Everywhere he went, Jesus amazed the people with his teaching. He amazed the disciples, and he even amazed the religious leaders. They were so amazed, you can tell how amazed they were. They can tell that Jesus was different, because through their hatred and hunting of Jesus, there was an admission that, man, this, there's something different about this guy. This guy is more of a threat than anybody before. And so they're always trying to trap him in some kind of impossible conversation about the law to either get him in trouble with the common people or in trouble with the Romans. And it was because they had never heard teaching like this before. In Matthew chapter 22, they asked Jesus if they should pay taxes. And they thought they had him. They thought they had finally come up with something. You know, it, I just imagine them in this huddle like, well, what would you do? And they, they, they brainstorm this question because they're going to corner Jesus because there's no good way for Jesus to answer the question. He's either going to come out as a Roman sympathizer or an, an insurrectionist. There was no way for Jesus to win. This is win-win for religious leaders. But it didn't quite work out like they thought it would. Jesus says, show me the coin you used to pay the tax. Whose inscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. And so Jesus says, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Oh, I guess there was a third option where Jesus wins and they lose. Matthew says, when they heard this, they were amazed. Even in their anger, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Uh, point for Jesus. His miracles were amazing. And his teaching was amazing. But there was something even more amazing about Jesus. Something that was more important than those two. And it's that his persona was amazing. A persona is the aspect of someone's character that is presented to or perceived by others. And some people might call it an aura. Some might call it a presence. Whatever you want to call it, there was something that was just different about Jesus. You just felt it. Even before he lifted a finger, even before he spoke a word, you could just feel that there was something different about Jesus. His persona projected something. And how could he not be different? The writer of Hebrews says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being See, Jesus was God in flesh. So it would make sense that you could just sense something different about him. He was unlike anybody there had ever been. He brought comfort to the downtrodden and struck fear in the powerful. No matter where you approached Jesus from, you knew there was something different about him. Perhaps that's why the disciples were so quick to leave their lives behind to follow him. They, they could sense that this truly was the one they've been waiting on, this truly was the Messiah. Perhaps this is why children were drawn to him. Perhaps this is why the crowds were drawn to him. In Luke 4, Luke tells us that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. 
And it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And to me, that last part sticks out. There was something special enough about Jesus for them to be like, wait, isn't this just that lowly carpenter's son? Who? We know this guy. I saw him grow up. This can't be the same guy. This verse expresses the first impression people had of Jesus and it explains his persona. He drew people in. Their eyes were fixed on him. They were fastened on him. There was something about him that caused that. And so what is it about the persona of Jesus that was so amazing, so different to the people of his day and even to us today? Well, simple. He had a persona that said, I have something to offer to you. And this was different from the other teachers of that time because most of them were takers. They were more concerned with what they were getting from the people than what they could give to them. They were servants of a religion that was more concerned with rules, more concerned with outward appearance and performance than what God had to offer. And that's the hallmark of every religion. It's about what people have to do to make God happy. But that's not what Jesus projected. See, with Jesus, it wasn't, here's what God wants from you. It was, this is what God has for you. And what God had for them and what God has for all of us today is grace. That's what Jesus came to offer. And he has so much of it to give. See, grace was so different from what people were used to in that day. For so long, the message had been, follow the rules to the letter, or you're out. Or, you better have a lot of livestock to sacrifice. God was so inaccessible before Jesus. But then, grace. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, Jesus told the people they no longer had to perform. They no longer had to face the tremendous pressure of keeping every law perfectly. I mean, imagine the burden of a Jewish person back then. They, they were human just like you and I. They messed up. And they had been raised in a, a performance-based religion, always falling short. So imagine the stress and the anxiety, the burden they must have felt as their mistakes stacked up. But then Jesus came to change all that. He came to remove their burden and instead invite them into an easy load and rest for their souls. And because of his amazing persona, you believe him because you can just sense the peace exuding from him. When Jesus had all the eyes fastened on him in Luke chapter 4, he read the words of the prophet Isaiah out loud to them. And you can find that, that verse, or that section of Scripture in Isaiah 61. And so Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus reads that and He goes, I'm it. I'm the guy that that's talking about. 
And what might, be, might have been more interesting than what Jesus said here is what he didn't say. See, if you looked in Isaiah 61, instead of just looking at the quote here in Luke 4, after the end there, after to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, there's also, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't say that in the synagogue that day. And it wasn't because he didn't know it. <laughs> he said, I'm here to offer good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners, and sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. And that was it. See, the people had always heard about the day of vengeance. The religious leaders, man, they were really good at reminding people about this day of vengeance that was coming. And although Isaiah 61 is really an overall, overall it's an uplifting, positive message, The teachers of Jesus' day were stuck on that tiny bit of negativity right in there about the day of vengeance in order to hold it against the people, to keep them in line. The teachers and religious leaders were more concerned with people getting what they had coming to them. They were more concerned with what they were against than what they were for. See, grace was not in their vocabulary. And unfortunately, as the church, that's something we can struggle with today as well. We shout about more about what we're against than what we're for, or who we're for. We shout more about vengeance sometimes than we do grace. We, we look forward more to getting out of this evil place than trying to fill up the lifeboats before it's too late. Let us be careful not to fall back into this religion aspect over a relationship. Jesus, he certainly knew what Isaiah 61 said, but he chose to stop at favor, which is a synonym for grace. Jesus stopped at grace. The religious leaders came to take, but Jesus came to give, and he came to give grace. The Apostle John says in John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus, he amazed people with his miracles, and he amazed them with his teachings and his persona. People were, were drawn to all all that, all of that, all that he said and did, they were drawn to his presence because he was amazing, unlike anything they'd ever seen or heard before. But the most amazing thing about Jesus is the amazing grace that he offers. He was a stark contrast to what had been taught to them for so long, to the condemnation and the exclusivity the religious leaders and teachers held over the people. But then Jesus came, and he changed the game forever. No longer was there exclusivity. No longer was there condemnation. Instead, to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of of grace and truth. Out of His fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I am constantly amazed by Jesus and by His grace. And I hope you are too. And His amazing grace is available to all who would receive and accept Him and allows all to become children of God. His amazing grace invites all of us to allow Him to take off our burdens of performance-based religion 
Instead, take his yoke that is easy and that comes from a relationship with him. This morning, will you join me in being amazed by our Savior and by the grace he provides? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we are amazed by the love and the grace that you provided for all of us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That you sent Him into this world for the whole world so that we would have eternal life. That He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. That He changed the world forever and knocked down the barriers that our sin has created between us and you. That through Jesus Christ, we could have a relationship with you. And so, Father, as we head into this this week of Thanksgiving, I pray that we would never take for granted, never stop being amazed by the grace that Jesus has provided each one of us. Father, we stand in awe of your love. And I pray this morning that we would keep our eyes focused on you. That we would realize that it's only because of Jesus. The only way to you is through Jesus. And that we would devote our lives to him. And it would change the way that we live our lives. It would change the way that we interact with people. That we would stop trying to perform and we would just take on the yoke of Jesus in a relationship with him. That we would allow him to take our burdens, the burdens that we build up, and take on his yoke instead. Father God, we're so thankful for the immense love that you have for each one of us. We're thankful for the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. This morning, if you come and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, if you've come and you've not made him the king of your life already, if you've not surrendered your life over to him and accepted him and believe in him, then there's no better day than today to make that decision. Jesus is standing there offering you the gift of salvation. He's gone to the cross for you. He's defeated the grave for you to wash your sins away so that you can have a relationship with the Father. But that relationship only comes through Jesus. And we can try a lot of other ways to get to the Father, but Jesus is the only way. So if you've never made that decision, if you came in here this morning and you've been trying to do it on your own and you're just done, you're just done trying to to try to do everything surrender it at the feet of Jesus and let him take the load for you so this morning if you want to come you've never made that decision to be baptized into the waters and come out of new creation let that let today be that day you would say I'm done trying to do it by myself I'll surrender to him I want to become a new creation in Christ and we'll celebrate all with you if you need to make a decision to be baptized this morning, I'll be right down front. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you need prayer this morning, if you've made that decision, or if you just need prayer this morning, I know as we head into the holidays, it's really tough for people and they just are hurting. 
And so if you come in hurting this morning, if you come carrying a heavy load, I'd love to pray with you. God gave us the gift of prayer to combat whatever this world would throw at us. He gave us that amazing gift of prayer. And I would love to pray with you through whatever is going on for you right now. So I'll be down front this morning. If you have a decision to make or you just need prayer, I'd love to talk to you about it. Let's stand and sing our final song together.